Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for checking out this podcast. Remember, it's presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game at TCF Bank Stadium, Target Center, or XL Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for football, hockey, and basketball, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. And Ticket King can take care of you for out-of-town concerts, sporting events, and more. Call 64 Five one four three six one one two zero, or visit TicketKingOnline.com. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present bonus chatter. Bonus chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of fifteen hundred ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined as always on Sunday afternoons by Judd Zolgad of 1500 ESPN's Mackie and Judd Morning Show. And tonight we're going to go over the Vikings' 20-10 to win over the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to get to something that I've been saying for weeks they've done really well, and, and this game was a perfect example of it. We'll get to that later. and We'll get to two stars on each side of the ball, and Adrian Peterson and Anthony Barr. Judd, when you saw the Vikings get three takeaways from mm-hmm. Matt Ryan and come away with just three points early in this game, what was your thought on how this, what direction this game was going to be going? Well, I think after uh, the Blair Walsh miss of the field goal after the uh, after just before Matty half. Ryan's yeah. first bad pick of the game, I thought to myself, this might be problematic that the Vikings are taking advantage of the opportunities they're getting. However, as the second half progressed, it occurred to me that this was one of those days where things were going to go the Vikings' way. Matt Ryan, by the way, and this is this is the whole you know conversation that we've had a million times. What quarterback would you want? When would you want him? Who do you want? I mean, Matt Ryan today. You look at that, and if you think you got problems, here's a guy that was you know for how long? Matt Ryan's developing, and he's going to get you to the promised land. And the Falcons look great early, and now. They're a complete mess. So uh, at first, I was a little dubious when the Vikings didn't convert uh, the turnovers into more points. That being said, as the second half progressed, I said to myself, they're going to win this game because Atlanta is not going to allow them to lose this game. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a good point, too, about Matt Ryan, a guy who has struggled. He had six interceptions in the four games leading up to this one, throws two crucial picks, and all three of the Falcons' turnovers happened on the Vikings' side of the field, which are just devastating for the Falcons' offense, which managed just 10 points on this Vikings' defense. 
To one point, though, I saw Mike Zimmer back the safeties off a lot, and that kind of gave way to the run game early on. You saw Tevin Coleman, the replacement for Devonta Freeman, get going a little bit. I like the strategy, though, from what Mike Zimmer's done, and it's worked, uh, safer against Aaron Rodgers, who made a few uh, spectacular plays last week in the, in the Vikings' loss. You saw Mike Zimmer back off the blitz. He shelved the blitz pretty much in the last three games mm-hmm. against Carr, against Rodgers, against Ryan, uh, and it's worked to the tune of them going 2-1, and one, and they backed the safeties off, and it really took away uh, Julio Jones. You you didn't see Julio Jones catching these downfield passes. No, in the key, a key was to too was the four man rush yeah. for the Vikings getting so much pressure on Ryan, forcing him out of the pocket. It seemed to me that the Falcons were running a lot of bootlegs for Ryan, trying to get him out of the pocket, away from the Vikings defensive line, Agreed. and he just didn't look comfortable throwing on the run he out, did a outside few times, the pocket. But not not much. He's not playing well. Right, right. Now, yeah. I mean, they definitely, if you're going to pick a time to catch this guy, today w- was the right time. He's not playing well. But how about the fact that Mike Zimmer took his defense into Atlanta in a road game without Harrison Smith? And when I saw that, that Smith had been declared out with a knee problem on Saturday, you do think to yourself, uh-oh. And then you see he's going to start Antoine Exum, who the last time that we talked to him about Exum, Zimmer was basically saying, I can't trust the guy. He said if he could ever figure out what to do, I'd play him. And then I never <laughs> thought in my life I'd be sad to yep. see Andrew Sandejo go down. But then he's out of the game, and they won this game with Antoine Exum and Robert Blanton as their safeties. What does that say about coaching and a defense when you can win a road game in this league against a quarterback who, on his good days, is decent? Today he struggled. But with Antoine Exum... And Robert Blanton playing safety. I never would have predicted that Les Frazier could have taken a team anywhere, including into a home game, and won with those two safeties. That could have been a huge bear trap for the Vikings. They could have been walking into a huge, huge mess with that, But because that's what you thought going into it. You thought Julio Jones has been on fire the entire year. He's on track uh, for one of the best seasons by a wide receiver, and they're without Harrison Smith. But credit to the coaching and credit to Mike Zimmer saying, you know what, I'm going to have six foot one Xavier Rhodes with his, his 79-inch wingspan, even though he's penalty prone i'm going to have him follow the physical julio jones almost the entire game mm-hmm. and it worked credit to xavier rhodes he he played very tight coverage even though rhodes did drag or uh julio did drag him across for a first down on one of those plays i thought he played great against him and i thought that's a big reason why they were able to limit what julio jones was able to do julio just had about what was it five catches 56 yards that's an absolute pedestrian day for and a star rhodes, wide receiver and that i think that the one that you're talking about in the first half rhodes was all over him there was nothing more from a perspective from a coaching perspective of I don't want you to draw a flag, so uh, so be as close to the guy as you possibly can, and Jones made a great play. Absolutely. So that was yep. not a play where, where you said to yourself, oh, man, you know that's not a good, good coverage. That coverage was perfect, and credit uh, to Jones. But you're right as far as and, – and once again, this does get back to – this gets back to something that in the last uh, 15 years or so in this town you just don't see enough of, which is, yes, some players were outstanding today and some players played well, but that being said – Defensively, at least, your scheme was huge again. And your preparation for this game, uh, basically Tuesday through Thursday and Friday, was enormous, too. Yeah, they were able to. Now, you look at where they kind of gave up yardage. I think the the one area that Mike Zimmer might want to tighten up a little bit was Tevin Coleman. He's able to pick up 110 yards, but it was those turnovers. How about Anthony Barr playing with one hand, able to make all the plays that he's made? Yes. Uh, Tevin Coleman breaks off for a 46-yard run down the right sideline. Anthony Barr chases him down 50 yards down the field to punch the ball out with his good hand, the one that's not broken. Uh, I, I don't think we knew, though, that uh, Anthony Barr's left hand is actually broken. Fox uh, on the broadcast, Fox 
Sports, Kevin Burkhart, revealed uh, that Anthony Barr's left hand is, in fact, broken, and he's been playing with that for about three weeks now. And so with his right hand, he made a bunch of plays, knocking the ball free from Coleman, deflecting a pass. I think it was a wheel route to a running back down in the fourth quarter. Was and Coleman, then, too. And then, uh, oh, was that yeah, Coleman? It was, And yeah. then on the next play, he sacks Matt yes. Ryan for Those basically what plays. is the game ceiling Those play. Those are, are the three plays. I wrote down because, and actually the um, the uh, the Coleman run that that ended with the ball being punched out in practices, we see coaches doing that to players all the time, being like, if something like this happens, try and strip the ball and or punch the, the ball out. But how often do you actually see that come to fruition in a game? It starts with the effort. These guys of, give up a lot of it, times. Exactly. I was just going to say it starts with the effort of actually chasing the guy down the field, yes. which you just don't see enough NFLers do, especially to see Anthony Barr do it, though. It's no surprise to uh, Vikings fans. How big of uh, a freak, though, did we see uh, that Barr has the potential to be today with that play? And it's not the fact that he punched the ball out. It's the fact that he went 46 yards downfield and pursued him. And then, as you said, on the wheel route as well. I mean, this is a linebacker against a running back and granted that ball should have been high pointed and caught but that's not the point the point is that anthony barr was basically playing the role of a cornerback <laughs> keeping up with this guy and went and made the play those are not plays that most linebackers have any shot on their best day of making yeah i think somebody asked who's the emergency safety if bland or exum got hurt hey maybe it's anthony barr <laughs> <laughs> he's but I mean, those were freaky in all seriousness yeah, in all seriousness you're absolutely right anthony barr is showing that potential and at first i think the knee injury obviously held him back in the offseason and you kind of question where this second year was going for Anthony uh, but he showed that even though because his strength let's not forget his strength is rushing the quarterback right I mean sure. that's the best thing he does in the NFL right now yes. that's what he's most polished Agreed. at that's where he's you know the biggest wrecking ball you look though in these last three games and the impact he's had and it's been against the run it's been in coverage it hasn't been blitzing because they've kind of backed him off and backed everybody off against these quarterbacks they've faced mm -hmm. and I expect that to continue against Russell Wilson and against Carson Palmer in the couple weeks coming so to see Anthony do that and make the plays he's pl making in, in in spots that aren't totally natural for him that's the biggest thing for me is that you're seeing the growth then in coverage you're seeing him stick to a running back on that kind of wheel route and get his hands up and not not uh, how many times do you see a linebacker get penalized for trying to make contact on a play like that not at the right time? Right. He's doing those kinds of things at the right time, right. and that's something where you see that kind of uh, growth from him. He causes a lot of problems for offenses, and, and he caused a lot for Atlanta today. I want to pivot a little bit, though, and talk about why he was able to do that and why the defense was able to make so many plays and what this Vikings team does so well through the through the weeks this year that we've been talking about on this purple podcast and this was a good example of it playing with the lead adrian peterson's touchdown run it was set up by a mike wallace pass interference they get to the one yard line they go up seven nothing in the first quarter that was when they took the lead and didn't look back and that was key for this vikings team because as you saw with teddy bridgewater he's able to get that short passing game going but they really can't develop anything more than 10 yards downfield because of how limited this offensive line is, how inconsistent Teddy's play is. The wide receivers are inconsistent, wide, except for Diggs, maybe. Exactly, and they don't have, and, and they really don't have a tall target either for this vertical passing game that North Turner wants to run. Yeah. And Mike Wallace isn't the speeding threat, and he's not connecting with Teddy Bridgewater the way they wanted. Charles Johnson, for whatever reason, is not getting in the games enough to be an option. And then Stephon Diggs is basically the only guy that can get separation. That's why I think you see them going to Kyle Rudolph more as well. But we'll We'll get to that down the road with what this team is doing right now it's going to be run through adrian peterson uh, their successful formula we've seen it every single game 
I believe they're six and zero when Adrian Peterson or seven uh, might be seven and zero when Adrian Peterson gets more than twenty carries in a game, and that is something when you see that you obviously know it. It, it looks obvious on paper, but in the game they've only been able to do that when they hold that lead. For whatever reason, in San Francisco against Green Bay, Norv Turner has gotten away from Adrian Peterson when they trail by I think it's by two scores, sixteen to six at halftime for the Packers, throw it then. and they get away. You do, but I, to me, I don't think a ten point deficit is the reason to get away from the star running back necessarily. Uh, but not to question the play calling in this one because this was the main reason why they won feeding it to adrian peterson 31 touches 187 yards a 35 yard touchdown this goes back at the end of the game to seal it this goes back to to the point that you've said for weeks now which is we know what this team can do with a lead right it's Mm -hmm. defense is stout they can grind clock and peterson on a good day if you could continue to feed him the ball he's going to eventually break off some runs and, and just as importantly the clock is going to continue to move so Really, I think what today's game went back to was the formula that we know works, and it does work. The only question is, once again, when you play Seattle, for instance, next Sunday, or the Cardinals after that, can you keep leads? Because when you don't keep the lead, it's not that the Vikings can't win those games, but it's a change. It's a huge change in the philosophical nature of what they can do and well, can't do. And it's not just on offense either when them sticking with Adrian Peterson, and obviously because he gets way better in the second half and obviously in the fourth quarter where he did a lot of his damage today. It's also the way the defense plays. When they can make – because, look, Tevin Coleman, while he had 100 yards, he basically stopped running after halfway through the third quarter. And even though he was gashing him, even though that was the one thing that was working for the Falcons, once they got down by 10, uh, 10 points, 14 points, whatever, it was they couldn't run the ball matt ryan started uh, dropping back throwing and while matt was already struggling Mm -hmm. this vikings defense is at its best when it can pin its ears back and rush the quarterback Mm -hmm. and that's what they did you saw everson griffin get a sack you saw anthony Barr get a sack Uh, they force a lot of issues even with their four-man rush they wear down offensive lines and even though they're not blitzing a lot these defensive linemen for the vikings wear down offensive lines a lot with the way they rush everson griffin being able to mix his speed and power linval joseph sharif floyd the rotation they have with tom johnson daniel hunter coming off the bench those kinds of things play well for them to play a passing team, especially one that's trying to come from behind. So it's not just the offense playing so well when they're ahead. It's also the defense, and I think it plays to the defense's strengths, which isn't necessarily stopping the run. It is stopping the pass. Right. Well, and the, the thing, too, is is I'm very curious now to see, because you, you talk about uh, the Vikings' opponents wearing down and getting tired. It's mm-hmm. really curious to see now this stretch that started with today then you go Seattle in, what, seven days, and then you turn around in, what, four days. And play, yeah, Arizona. And so, and so the maintaining Peterson being fresh, the defensive lineman being fresh, maintaining maintaining what you have been able to is going to get a, a little bit tougher, and it's especially going to be tough by the time that you play the Cardinals because the Seahawks, if they do nothing else, and they might lose that game, but they're going to come in here and that defense basically whoops you, right? Yeah. And so absolutely. now you got to turn around and prepare. You take Monday off, I think. You get back, and in that situation, you get back to practice Tuesday, travel on Wednesday. And so that turnaround, and I, I've told you this before, I really think starting with the Green Bay game, if this team goes 2-2, two and two, if they beat, they lose to Green Bay, they beat Atlanta, they come back, if they beat Seattle and then, for instance, go to the Cardinals and lose, to me, that's a that's a really good stretch because this is this is a test basically of where this team is at, uh, and I do think by the time you go to Arizona, if you fall behind in that game, which is I would say likely, 
it's going to be really, really tough because that's what, uh, two games, or I'm sorry, that's three games essentially in 18 days. Yes, it is. And that's the thing where, too, when you look at what they're doing right now, they are one and one in that stretch you just talked about. They sit atop the NFC North now after Green Bay lost to Chicago on, on Thanksgiving night on Thursday. They're in good position right now, and they ha- they're in the driver's seat. And that's something where it's it's really how this whole season has played out with them in games. When they're in that driver's seat, they, they play well. And I think, too, today was a good example of how they respond to a letdown. This is something where they could have easily lost this game and blamed it on a number of things, whether it was injuries, uh, whether it was an inability to protect the quarterback. You saw Teddy Bridgewater take some shots early on. I liked what Norv Turner has done in terms of kind of pivoting more to a quicker passing game. Mm-hmm. We're not seeing Teddy ever since that right, o- last two games. ever since that Oakland game where you just saw him drop back seven five seven step drops and just failed to connect down the field. You've seen now a pivot to more of a quick passing game. We saw the screens with Adrian Peterson. Hey, how about a screen to Red Ellison, who looks like I think our buddy. Brian Murphy said a beer truck <laughs> driving Without down breaks. the field. <laughs> yes, it was a fantastic So you, you, you see these kind of plays from the uh, trying to get the yards after the catch, and that's really kind of what they wanted to do early on. Uh, but I think Norv Turner, when you when you get Stephon Diggs going, he seemed to pivot more to that longer passing game, and that just didn't work because of the pass protection. You see them go to the quicker stuff. It got Teddy Bridgewater going and into a rhythm. Teddy did cool a little bit, though, toward the end of that halftime, and then obviously Adrian took it from there. Where are we at right now with Teddy Bridgewater in your mind, Judd? Um, I think it's so funny because if you follow along during a game on Twitter, for instance, there's so much hand-wringing and people upset and Teddy's great and then he stinks and blah, blah, blah. I really think we need to accept for now, we all do, that um, he is what he is right now. And that doesn't define his future, though. Which That's is the, what? you got to say. Which it. is he is he is being asked to manage the game effectively. <gasps> He's a game manager. And Mike Zimmer, those guys are lying when they say that. That's what they want. And it's and But here's my point. It's okay. He has led them back a few times this year when they've been behind. So he's not, it's not as if Chicago, he Detroit, all the time. Yep, I will yep. say this. I like the scripted plays when they come out and roll him out and just have him throw some short passes because I think it gains confidence for him. I think it helps Peterson, mm-hmm. and it establishes a rhythm that I like. When you put him, though, back in the pocket, this offensive line, I, I saw a funny stat, uh, Andrew, today on Fox. I think the stat was, if I saw this right, the Vikings offensive line this season is the only offensive line in the National Football League that has that has had the same starters every game. What oh, a, really? What a misnomer that would be <laughs> when you consider that your center and a right uh, right tackle are not guys that you ever plan on starting. So just because this, this was true on opening day does not mean that the Vikings arrived in Mankato saying, you know what we're going to do? Did they say every snap or did they say the most snaps? It might have been the most snaps. Because TJ Clemmings is left. They've had guys leave. But yeah. my point is, I think it said started. I okay. think they've started oh, in the okay, same form. Gotcha. But anyway, that's not my point. My point yep. is yep. this offensive line is doing its best. Uh, but it's certainly not a finished product. It's certainly not a set product. And it's certainly when you drop your quarterback to pass, back to pass doesn't provide great protection. That being said, when you drop Teddy Bridgewater back to pass, you can still see him processing, processing, processing. Uh, so I think where we are right now is you have to look at the fact the Vikings are successful. We all knew the formula. When they went and did all the work to bring back Peterson that they did, it should come as a surprise to no one that the formula was to feature him. Uh, that being said, if you are going to sit here right now and say, I am bound and determined to make a determination on Bridgewater for the future this year, you're an idiot. You can't you're do just it. An idiot. You, can't you can't do, do it do with it. Peterson in the backfield. And you, you no, can't. and you just, and there's yeah. so many things. Uh, this team is playing well. They're not going to abandon how they're playing now, and I don't blame them one bit. And so, you know, this, we are so anxious to determine this is the quarterback and this is who he is. 
It's an evolving process. He might be really good eventually. He might not be. But I could tell you one thing you're not going to know in 2015. I do know one thing, too. He's not Christian Ponder. And I think there have been a ridiculous amount of people on Twitter, at least, trying to say when they see Teddy make a bad throw or kind of get shook and run and throw the ball away, which, by the way, Teddy leads the NFL in throwaways, and he added about five more on today. That's something they coach. They don't want him taking the sack. They don't want him taking the hit by running. But he's not Christian Ponder. Right. He has he, shown already above and beyond the poise that t- Christian Ponder has never shown. He can stand back in the pocket, and, and Christian Ponder wouldn't last a game in a North Turner offense. And John uh, John Lynch today said something about the fact that Bridgewater has to get rid of balls quicker if uh, if a rush is coming because there was one particular play or two where he waited a long time, almost got sacked, and escaped and then got rid of the ball. But my comeback to that is Bridgewater's one thing he can do is escape. He's not. He's if you drop him back and he's a pass nimble. rush yeah. comes, yep. he's not a sitting duck. No. He doesn't want to run, but he has moves where he can escape. So I don't sit back there saying dump it or you know uh, throw it away, throw it away. I think eventually what you would like to see him do, and this will probably come post Peterson, as you just said, is trust what he sees. And he's going to screw up sometimes. He did today, but he's got to start trusting what he sees because I think his first read at times is there, and he doesn't trust it. Now the comeback is. Do you want him to make a mistake and throw a pick? And the and the answer to that is no. So it's a it's a tough the answer itself is very tough because we see this as, well, here's what Bridgewater should be doing, and that's just not the case. No, and I think the numbers, too, a little bit on, because you'll see numbers saying, well, Teddy Bridgewater holds the ball more than any other quarterback in the NFL on average time per drop back before he throws. That's a little misleading, in my opinion, because of the amount of pressure he's facing. He is the most pressured quarterback in the NFL, and that forces him to run. It forces him to buy time in the pocket, and when he's doing that, most of the time, his eyes aren't actually downfield, which at I think one area you might want to see him make a better leap in is standing in the pocket and delivering throws while taking hits because every hit he's taken, most of them have been outside of the pocket, meaning that he's just not getting rid of the ball quick enough or he's opening himself up. Like the one today where he did throw the ball away and got drilled, I think it was just before halftime. That's one where you want to see him, if you know you're throwing it away, do it before you even get the chance to get hit because that's something where, and again, that was a touchy, in my opinion, it was a touchy play because that could have been a pass interference where it was. I saw Linval Joseph do the same thing to Aaron Rodgers last week and he got flagged mm-hmm. so and that one didn't get called but it, sometimes it probably depends on who your quarterback is i would is. love to see bridgewater play with what i consider to be a really good offensive line and i would love to see him play with a right tackle who you trust not even just a really good offensive line an average one might do i mean because yeah, that right side right now i mean clemmings it, is trying hard and berger has done great in replacement yeah he's done he's done well now now the one thing and th- this goes a, a little bit into the into the geekiness factor of this conversation is Berger has done really well. I do think that a security blanket, when Sullivan went out, and I'm not talking from a blocking standpoint, I'm talking a security blanket of somebody that could look at, look at a formation and say, you got to change this right now or I'll do it myself. Sullivan can do that. Berger's a veteran, and I think he's very serviceable. He's not Sullivan. So I think what you lost was a safety net in Sullivan, and then Clemmings is trying hard, but he's learning every game, and, and you can see it. And there's certain places where he just blows it. Now, today was one where Kyle Rudolph did not have to sit by T.J. Clemmings. Now, there were times certainly when he probably should have because Clemmings had a mental error, physical breakdown in his technique, whatever. Clemmings had a pretty poor game today. But Kyle Rudolph was running a lot more routes than he's used to. Throughout this season, depending on who they're playing, the Vikings like to keep Kyle Rudolph tight to that right tackle, basically using two of those guys as one right tackle. Now, that's not a long-term plan for success, but they have to do that right now with their rookie. Today, they did not have to do that against the Atlanta Falcons because the Falcons... While they might boast statistically the NFL's best run defense, which Adrian Peterson shredded, 
they are one of the worst pass rushing teams in terms of productivity. They only have something like eight sacks on the season. Yeah, they, uh, they, they were uh, tied 12 for sacks, last I think it was. with 12 sacks with the okay. Giants coming into today. Yeah, so, and so yes, you're right. you, awful. you saw that where you kind of knew, okay, Kyle Rudolph's probably going to be involved in this game again if he's able to get downfield. Yep. I question if that's going to stay that way going forward because of the teams they're going to be facing with yeah. Seattle and Arizona. They might need Kyle back in a little bit more. But how about Rudolph? 13 catches over 100 yards. He can catch the ball again. A score. He can catch the ball again. Yeah, he probably should have had another touchdown there today, but. Teddy underthrew a ball that was intercepted. And that was one where, Judd, you were talking about off-air here. You want to see that pass a little bit higher, maybe from Bridgewater, in a little bit better area, do you not? I want to see Rudolph have, and in fact, it's the second time he's thrown a pass like that in, in the end zone uh, to Kyle this year. One was picked off at TCF Bank Stadium by the Cardinals, I believe. Yep. And then mm-hmm. today, I want to see that ball basically, one, give uh, give Rudolph a chance to break it up, but two, I'd almost rather see it, th- see it thrown to the back of the end zone, so either... Rudolph catches it, or it's incomplete. Yeah, you just want to see it put in a spot where only your receiver can but get once, it. You know, and but you don't, you don't see Teddy make too many of those but to throws. to your point, you know, part, part of that play is to look off the safety, freeze the safety, or send him in the other direction. I mean, that's stuff that Favre, by the time he got here, was a genius at, but that takes time. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing it's one thing to think that you, you looked off the safety and think he bought it, but these guys are really, really talented at that. And so a guy like Favre made that look simple. That play... You'd watch him make that play and say, yeah, big deal. But you watch Bridgewater do it, and you know, you, if you don't sell it for just long enough, they don't buy it. So, But, yeah, I would like to see that play in the playbook as either an incompletion or a catch by the tight end in the back of the end zone. I don't think it needs to be thrown where it was thrown because there's too many guys right now on Bridgewater who can jump that route and, and see what's going to transpire. Yeah, and the way Adrian Peterson's been running of late or this season at all, you don't necessarily need them to be a prolific passing offense. They're 8-3 and three with one of the worst statistically passing offenses in the league, and that's something that they've been able to skate by because Adrian's running like he did in 2012. So are you sold on this thing yet? I mean, this is, a, this is an interesting part of the conversation, but when you watch this offense play now, it's got its attributes, and Peterson's been... I'll say this. I thought he'd be okay. I did not think he would be anywhere near this good. But are you sold that this, that you could take this offense into Seattle and against the Cardinals and potentially into the playoffs? I mean, is there going to come a point in time where you think if push comes to shove and Bridgewater absolutely has to do something for you against a good team, by the way, that he can do it? Or are you still skeptical? Because I don't know what to think yet about this offense as a whole put into put in a really tough situation. Right now I see this offense as a, a well-coached group. Uh, they have the fewest holding penalties in the league, even though they're not athletically talented along the offensive line because they're playing a bunch of guys that shouldn't be starters. I, and especially with an inconsistent quarterback, I see them as limited in what they're doing. Uh, however, the NFC is so bad right now, Judd. That, oh, that they are in a climate that basically is and so poorly coached in my opinion football across the board right now in the NFL that when they've got the coaches they've got right now welcome board the train I think I've been saying for a long time <laughs> this league stinks it's fun to watch and especially the NFC especially yeah. the NFC I think the AFC is better than the NFC but the NFC is so bad media in the in the middle because you got Carolina we obviously know who they are but beyond that I mean you got Arizona and Carolina and the Packers but they're not even in first Carol- in their own division Carolina. I'm sorry, go, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah. I think it's such a bad, bad conference right now that the Vikings are going to carry this offense into the playoffs, and it's just a matter of how far can they take it against which matchup they get. Here's what's weird about Carolina. Does Carolina not strike you like the Packers team a few years back that had the great season, and you say to yourself, okay, this team is really, really good, and then they lost? 
No, no. But here's why: because I follow that Packers team. Uh, obviously, being in the division with the Vikings and, and growing up in Minnesota, I remember that team. Too, I was in college. I remember that team as a team where you looked at with the Green Bay Packers when they went 15 and one, mm-hmm. and went, "This team is so reliant on one person. What happens if he has a bad day?" That's not the Carolina Panthers, though. Right now, at 11 and 0, Cam Newton. If he has a bad day, they have a great defense. And if the great well, defense is a bad day, they have, they have Cam defense. Newton. Yeah. So no, I don't see them as reliant on one. But you're right; it feels fluky, doesn't it? Well, it feels kind of fluky. It, they just—I don't know. There's, I, I was talking to somebody about this a few days ago, and it just feels like the type of team that now you say, "Okay, I'm sold," because it's a possible with with their record now into December being undefeated, you're sold. That being said, I can't tell you how many times I've felt that before, and then a team gets to the playoffs, and they get that first round by, and then they just lose. They're, you're right. Whether it's the, the, the Colts in the earlier, yeah. the mid-2000s, where they'd always go 13-0 and 0 and then end up losing. You're right. There, there seems to be teams that always do that, and I don't know if it's taking their foot off the gas, but that defense in Carolina, they're, they're playing lights out. By the way, uh, one more thing for me about today's Viking game. I want to say a week ago against Green Bay, they took a season-high eight penalties. Is that correct? Yes. They were, they were the least penalized team, I think, still going into today in the league, but they certainly were going into that game. And they played, I thought, a really poor game. I thought the Packers – what we saw from the Packers on Thanksgiving night against the Bears makes me think even more that the Vikings beat the Vikings. The, the Packers did not really beat the, the Vikings. The Vikings took that game – uh, basically, Aaron Rodgers did some pretty got, good things too. Well, he did, but the Vikings did not play well in that game. They did not put they did not put forth their best performance. No, All that being said, uh, today the Vikings took what eight penalties again, eight or nine penalties. It again? was, but it was half the yardage of the of, anyway of last week. The officiating today could not have been worse. I don't put this on the Vikings. This crew called every ragtag thing that they possibly could. except for that hit on Teddy Bridgewater. I'll, I'll they yeah, well, they didn't call that. But these defensive holding calls away from the play where I barely grab your jersey and you call this stuff, these guys were looking. It was weird. They were looking to throw flags when they shouldn't have, and they weren't throwing flags at times that they should have. And this game, I did not look at this game from the Vikings today and say, man, you know what? After two games now, there should be a concern about penalties. I looked at today's game and said, this officiating is awful. No, and they actually were the benefactor. Even though they had more penalties than the Falcons, the, Va- the Vikings had nine penalties to the Falcons' six in this 20-10 to 10 win. They only had 53 yards to the Falcons' 78, and it was the Falcons' penalties on, on pass interferences. I yeah. think Mike Wallace drew a couple. Now, Mike Wallace has gone three games in the last five without a single catch, but his biggest play as a Viking was a 24-yard pass interference because his longest catch is something like 22 yards. So that's a big, his biggest play as a Viking was a 24-yard pass interference play today that jump-started a drive that put them up 13-3 to in the second and half, which really helped them kind of put this one away with Adrian Peterson. That's those those are the kind of penalties that the Vikings really benefited from. Mm-hmm. And, and I think when you see that, you go, okay, well the officiating, sure, whether it was questionable or not, you're still seeing it called unfairly on both sides. If well, that makes just, sense. It, but, when, but when you have so many penalty flags being thrown, they just and and I don't just fault the officials. I fault this league because these guys are so afraid that if they don't throw enough flags that they're going to get calls, right? Well, you didn't you didn't call this or that and blah, blah, blah. And it's just gotten to the point now where when the officials start to become a big part of the game, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And, I, and I'm talking – I'm not saying that the Vikings got screwed or the Falcons did. I'm saying on both sides of the ball, they slowed that game down today and they took Temple out of that game because they felt that they just had to keep throwing flags. And then, as you pointed out, there were times when they clearly could have and they didn't throw a flag. Yeah, and that so. was the same thing last week, too, with the Packers, the Packers game, where the Packers jumped off sides a couple times, didn't get called. Adrian takes his helmet off at midfield, yep. which is very illegal and, and, and you, doesn't get called. As we just talked about, too – 
Linval gets called for a hit on yeah, Rodgers, yeah. which if it's not Aaron Rodgers, if it's Scott Tol- uh, Tolzien playing quarterback for the Packers, there's no flag in sight. So exactly. it's just uh, this league has become they're so preoccupied with so many rules that I don't think these guys can can with a clear head officiate games now. They're more concerned about are we throwing enough flags? Do we throw the right flags? Last bit before we end this Purple Podcast, we've got a couple minutes, Judd. I want to ask you, with this Vikings defense and the way they put games together, they're one of the best in terms of limiting points. They're one of the best on third downs, but they're not necessarily getting the turnovers or takeaways. You saw them do it today. This defense, to me, we talk about is the offense built for the playoffs. This defense, to me, absolutely does look built for the playoffs, does it not? In terms of this is the kind of formula you need. It's the Seattle Seahawks run game, strong defense, and then hope that your passing game can get you over the top. Does this, and I I think that we had this conversation in, uh, in June, May or June, does this Vikings team not look like they have just taken the blueprint from the Seahawks, lifted it, and stuck it on their team? Bridgewater is, right now, we have no idea if he's Wilson or not. He's a poor man's Wilson at this point, maybe. But think about this. Think about this defense. This defense, to me, absolutely. If you take this defense on the road or not into a playoff game, I think they are 100% built for the playoffs. And I think part of it is you know that the scheme will be good. And it's not just a, it's not just a this is how we play. It's uh, this is how we play for this game, and it's and it's a situation where they're doing it with injuries. They did it without Sharif Floyd for three games. They did it without Harrison Smith today. They're doing it without their top yeah. overall pick in Trey Wayne's at right. corner. Uh, so they're doing it uh, with adversity. It's not like they're having everything go their way. Anthony Barr is playing with a broken hand and had one of his best games of his young career in, in the Georgia Dome today. So that's where the Vikings are at, eight and three atop the NFC North with a one game lead over the Green Bay Packers. I want to thank you guys for checking in on the Purple Podcast. Please, one moment, go on to iTunes. Give us a review. If you like the podcast, tell people about it. Spread the word. I know Judd's putting it up on the bulletin boards at the Y. I want you guys to spread the, the word around. Oh, you don't play pickup basketball at the oh, Y? Oh, no, I, I retired. Oh, you did? You didn't hear? No. Yeah, oh, I had to call it quits. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I had to call it quits. But feel free to go on That's and give Andrew Kramer Never five mind. stars. Never mind. I guess. Rip me, go ahead. give Kramer five stars, okay? <laughs> He'll feel good about it. Go himself. ahead and give us a review on iTunes if you like it. Then go into podcast one, America, the home for America's most popular podcast network and all the podcasts including us uh snooki's podcast i think there's a few others corolla right adam corolla Corolla. this is awesome tons yeah we're up there with all the big stars and obviously we're going to be the next ones up there so i just wanted to tell you guys to go onto itunes go into podcast one download the app and check back to 1500espn.com for more stay tuned for 60 second ap news headlines hi this is chris howard host of plug door chris howard University of Michigan QB J.J. McCarthy makes bold predictions but doesn't fulfill them, and Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles misses an opportunity to etch his name in Buckeye lore. Fans love their teams and the players, that is, until they don't. When it comes to finger-pointing, you'll find no greater antagonist than the fan. Why? Because it means more to them, or so they believe. As a former player, nothing angers me more than armchair charlies accusing the teams of overlooking opponents or blaming players for providing bulletin board material. But leading up to the game, the fan is the one talking the most, boasting the most. When the team is winning, it's a lot of we talk. But when the team loses, it turns into they lost. You will never know what those moments feel like because you didn't put in the work to earn those feelings from those moments. That's the great thing about being part of a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. We cry, we console our brother. We don't point the finger, we go back to work, back to the early morning workouts, the hill sprints, back to the bloody noses and broken bones. Why? Because it really means more to us. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. 
BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.